Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here and so happy that you've all decided to join me for this chat I had with famed songwriter and composer and performer, Jesse Harris. I'm really happy to have him here and so psyched that you guys are along for this ride. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved in the Roadcase community. Really quick and easy ways to follow us on the socials. We're at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also find out more information about Roadcase by visiting our website at www.roadcasepod.com. You can also send us an email, get in touch with us that way with your questions, comments, concerns. We're at info at roadcasepod.com. Another great way to help support Roadcase, super easy and free of charge, is to subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. So if you're on Spotify, there's a little box underneath uh, on the Roadcase homepage. It says follow. Just click on that. And if you're on Apple Podcast, up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a check mark. If you click that, uh, it'll allow you to get live updates as to when new episodes come into the world. It's a really easy way to help support Roadcase. really helps out the show. And we do depend on the support uh, of you amazing listeners for these kind of little things that really help Roadcase. So thanks so much for that. And while you're there, you can rate and review Roadcase by just clicking uh, a bunch of stars on Spotify just in that box underneath the follow box. Uh, just click on that. And on Apple Podcasts, you just scroll up a little bit, see those bunch of stars, just click a bunch of those and you can write a review of Roadcase as well. Really helps out the show. So I'm really psyched to have Jesse Harris on the show uh, for this episode. I was really happy to be able to sit down and chat with Jesse. He is a famed singer, songwriter, and composer. In fact, he wrote the song Don't Know Why, which was sung by Nora Jones. It's a Grammy-winning hit at the time and just an absolute global mega sensation of a song. Jesse is also a prolific songwriter and has a very deep catalog of amazing music. His new album, Silver Balloon, is just out this October, which he wrote with his collaborator of over 30 years, Kenny Wollison. Jesse also has an amazing instrumental band entitled Cosmo that I really enjoyed listening to. It's just some incredibly amazing music, challenging, compelling, uh, incredible production level, and uh, just really love his stuff. Jesse does some... Uh, uh, some touring, mostly short stints to places that he loves to see. He's been to Japan, Brazil, among others. We talk about uh, performance for him is not as important for him. You know, he sort of walks his own path in terms of artistic expression. He loves making albums. Uh, that is his performance and artistic expression. And we talk about that a lot. We delve into that process of what drives him. And most importantly, we talk about how to stay positive in life and in one's work, which is so important. Jesse is a very positive human and 
I really gleaned a lot from what I learned from him, and I know that you all will too. Jesse also runs a label entitled Secret Sun Records, where he's produced Maya Hawk, among others, and Mads Jensen. Uh, very successful producer, songwriter, and just an extraordinary human. Loved talking to Jesse, and I'm so glad that you're along for this ride as well. And I want to send a special thank you to Jesse Harris for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Uh, hey, Jesse, so great to see you, man. Thanks for being on Roadcase, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, absolutely, man. My pleasure. It's so, uh, I was so, um, so happy to dig into your catalog. It's just, um, wow. I, you know, I hesitate to say it's like not stuff like totally in my lane because I listen to a lot of alt rock and stuff. Uh -huh. And, um, but, you know, I tend to just, but I also have a very broad focus and I love listening to things that are new to me. And, enjoying just the process of taking in music and i started listening to your catalog and i'm like i mean this sounds kind of trite and funny but like holy shit this guy's like an amazing songwriter <laughs> i mean i just like <laughs> completely gripped by the songs man if i can just say that right off the bat and you've got this new album silver silver balloons silver balloon Silver balloon, right? Yeah. Okay, I wrote down silver balloons. I'm like, okay, I got to run that by, yeah, because then uh, <laughs> yeah. the picture on the album cover all of a sudden went into my head, and I'm like, wait, there's only one balloon. This cannot be right. Okay, right. so silver balloon. Let's yeah, get that right yeah, off the yeah. bat. Yeah, how's that going? Let's just start off. Um, like, how's that feeling for you being out in the world? And uh, it's it's so it's so absolutely amazing. I really love it. Thank you so much. Um, I mean, making that record was a total blast. Um, I did it with with a very old friend and collaborator, uh, Kenny Wallison, who's a great drummer mm -hmm. and uh, vibraphonist, percussionist. <clears throat> and uh, Kenny played on my first record when I was 25 years old and mm -hmm. and has been on many of them since. And this was a project that we started just to we had been doing some recordings with another artist or some other artists where we were experimenting with sounds and processing sounds. And um, mm -hmm. we wanted to do, I wanted to do the same thing with my own stuff. I've always been much more of a, like a naturalist, um, naturalist. you know, getting a band. Yeah. For, I, I don't know if that word exists, but, but like does, getting but in a band. Like in terms of like, uh, you know, <clears throat> the museum of uh, natural history or something like, I don't know, <laughs> or like a nudist guess, camp person. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean like putting a band in a room and, um, and getting great sounds, you know? Right. Yeah. Like I read that great... you generally record live, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've always been about capturing the performance. And in fact, we did capture performances, but it was a whole other kind of thing. Mm. Um, Kenny would like, we would get a, like a, a preset off of an old synthesizer, you know, or a Casio mm -hmm. and played. And then Kenny would sort of trigger the, the, the fills and stuff like that. And I would perform to that. Mm. And then we would, you know, overdub drums and then bass and other guitars and keyboards and then process the sounds through harmonizer and right. harmonizers and add, you know, a lot of different things um, to experiment uh, and make it not just, you know, live sounding instruments, um, but yet it was still a performance. Um, yeah, yeah. And, that's kind of different than so you don't consider that live performing because there was some electronics well, involved or it sounds like you're no, kind of doing it on the fly if I'm not mistaken 
Oh, no, no. 100% they were performances. Uh-huh. But instead of like a great drum sound or like awesome upright bass sound, right, or like, right, you know, right. it was more about, you know, I would play direct usually and um, or, you know, go through an amp. But then we would take all the sounds and put them through, you know, like the H3000 and just see what would happen mm. sometimes kenny would play drum pads with samples on them or you know he had this old keyboard that he bought in turkey back in the 90s wow, that that's, had that's... all these weird drum presets and we would use those and then put the drum presets through harmonizer to like mess with the sounds and had you guys done this and... you know you guys have been friends for like 30 years from my understanding you've yeah. been frequent collaborators yeah. you guys are tied obviously um, yeah. Is that something that you had done before, messed around before? I'm so interested no. in like the well, birth only, like, of this we, particular type of recording and idea. No, we did this with this other singer, this singer named Mads Jensen, whose album mm-hmm. I produced. She's only put out two singles so far, but we did it with her. And I thought, man, this is fun. Let's do this with my stuff. Oh, interesting. You know? yeah, and yeah. so Kenny and I got together and we played, we played all the instruments, just the two of us, um, except we did bring in Michael Blake to play tenor saxophone on, on uh, hummingbird uh-huh. and, uh, and Mads sang harmonies, but otherwise Kenny and I played everything. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And I read like the, then, the sax player was like uh, something, he was like fucked up over what you made the, the sax well, sound he didn't, like yeah, on that one Kenny particular t- thing. But I mean, yeah, it sounds really cool, but if you're a purist, you're like, fuck right. you. What did you do to me? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cause then the, we put it on, like we put the saxophone through the H3000 and then put it on random so that, you know, the, what's the, the H3000 the, the mach- again? It's it's a harmonizer. It's been around since the seventies. Like you can hear, Laurie Anderson uses it a lot. And what does that guess, mean, like, harmonizer? It has a lot of presets, and and you can do anything. Like you can change the pitch of something. Um, Kenny told me that that like they were used in Africa, like in the seventies, to disguise people's voices when they were talking about. The political things on radio uh-huh. shows. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. So it, it has been used for like disguising voices, you know, but you mm-hmm. can also do, you know, you can do so many things. So you can change pitch. So I think that's how, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Laurie Anderson perform, but quite often she'll speak into a microphone, but it sounds like a very deep man's voice. Interesting. And, and I think that's what she's doing. Um, so we would use it not only to, you know, because it can do a lot, of, a lot of things. It has reverb settings. It has chorus settings, um, but it has pitch settings, and you can put it on random so that the the instrument will suddenly decide to like add pitches to whatever you're doing. And sometimes it can add them in like almost like a string of pitches, um, or it can split a vo- or split something in two and and harmonize it so that there's like actual harmony you know mm-hmm. like you can hear that on the song hummingbird where all of a sudden there's a very low harmony of, and it's just my voice being split you know or like it, it'll add a delay to something so there's this random thing that can happen we also used it for guitar another setting that just actually i don't even know what it did a lot of people <laughs> think it sounds like it's in reverse but it's not in reverse um like on the song hangman but we used it like a almost like an effects pedal. So it wasn't something done, you know, ex post facto, but like in in real time. Um, so we would, uh, you know, put put the guitar through there. I would be hearing it playing along while listening to the track. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it and then we would just mute the original instrument itself. So all you had was 
what what happened to it, oh, man. you know, and you that's what we really did with the like deconstructed stuff and really broke stuff down and just made it crazy, yeah. sort of. But then, so we, then it's like really beautiful, and they they make for great songs. People who just come out into this and like they're like, "What the fuck is this album about?" But no, right. it makes it it's it's um it's really beautiful and cohesive at the same time, despite well, how we're talking all, about deconstructing. <laughs> right. Well, it all happened, you know, in a in a short period. We we recorded the whole album over ten days. Yeah, which is um, fascinating. So we would just do like a song a day, you know, we, or actually it was eight days, but then maybe a couple other days for some extra overdubs, but we would do a song and then go out to dinner and then come back and then work on it some more. Uh, one day I even woke up early, wrote a song and we recorded it that day. Wow. Um, so, and like several of them I wrote like around, you know, if not the day, like in the evening before the recording. Jeez. Um, show off so a little bit more, show off a little bit more, Jesse. <laughs> you know i just woke up in the morning and i just i wrote a song and i put it on an album we recorded that afternoon we had a nice lunch and then we're uh, you know around. you know it's funny i mean a song can be written very quickly if you if you concentrate you know i i heard recently that that neil young had a fever and he wrote three songs like classic songs in one day like old man sugar mountain and like one other i don't know i'm not sure the exact yeah, songs yeah. but like he wrote all of them in one day or like tell me why old man and one other i heard robert um, robert hunter talk about how he was sitting at some cafe drinking something not absinthe but maybe it was something retsina uh, or some something crazy i don't okay, know i'm not right. familiar with it but he's like right. i just sat there and the sun was kind of shining and i just i wrote ripple and i wrote um uh broke down and i wrote like one other song from wow. American Beauty okay. in that afternoon. That's cool. So yeah, that's cool. It yeah, so it happens. I don't know. I think it's a matter of just focus. You know, you can you can write a song and record it in one day. Uh huh. Um, just I've been working with this band in France, and we've been doing that. We just we get together, we write and record a song right. in an afternoon. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's really. The reason it doesn't happen most of the time that way, I think, is people just get distracted. They work on something for a few minutes and then they pick up something else uh-huh. or they, you know, or they look at their phone or they talk on the phone or they read an email or they check. Things their, are very, you know. I mean, that's a bigger picture discussion about how things yeah. are just so distracting today. And there's so many, so many different rabbit holes you can go into. You know, I suppose yeah. what you're kind of saying is that you just, you shut things off and you get focused or. Yeah. You can do a lot if you just concentrate for a very short amount of time. Just focusing. Sometimes when you focus, though, you get so focused on that task that maybe your brain, some people's, at least mine, sometimes it's hard to allow the creativity in because the focus, it's very meditative in a sense. Well, there's two things at once. You have to focus, but at the same time, be completely unattached. Exactly. Um, exactly. Just write it's whatever. Med- it's like, it's write almost it- like meditation. Sounds yeah, like, like yeah, just write it down. Right. Yeah, because I think people block themselves and like it's got to be great. Like they can't even put the pen to the paper because it's like it's got to be great. And, it's, and actually, when you're writing, you're not thinking is this great or not. You're just writing something down. Yeah. Um, well, having won a Gra- it, you won a Grammy award for the song you wrote with your friend Nora Jones way back. Actually, 
I, I didn't write it. Right, write it. Words. You wrote it. You wrote it. And I wrote, she performed actually, it. I'm sorry. That's God a mis- bless her. I love her. No, no, yeah. no. That, I misrepresented <laughs> that. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, you've worked with so many different people. I'm just trying to get all the prepositions yeah. correct. You did the song. Right. She right. sung. You wrote the song. She sung it. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, yeah. What, like, I don't know. I just keep, I, I want to talk about that a little bit, but there's so many different questions in terms of what's like, what, what occurred to me just now was like, was that process of writing that song necessarily different than the way that you do things now? And do you look back at that and like, that was a mega hit. She's got an incredible voice. I won, the, I won a Grammy. Um, you know, could, does that ever get into your head like that? No, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think about it because mm. I don't know. I'm too busy doing other things to yeah. think about, you know, a song I wrote uh, 20 you know, 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So no, I don't think about it. Yeah. I don't think about that song. No. But as far as did did I write it in any different way? No, not really. How did that, how did the success of that single change your life or did it? I changed my life immensely, you know, I mean, in, in a lot of ways Uh, it opened me up to a lot of um, opportunities to work with so many different people. Mm-hmm. Um, gave me opportunities to to do my own records, you know, of course, change things financially because mm-hmm. I didn't really have any money before that. I mean, I had little bits of money that would come and go, but, but not, you know, not real money. So that, that changed things. And like, in a, you know, in a long-term sense, like allowed me to, to buy studio equipment and make records at home. Yeah. Um, and have the time to do that. So, you know, um, so yeah, changed changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. And you have a crazy story about having met her. Like, was is that actual? That actually really happened? That she picked you up in a car and took you to a gig? What what did that actually look like? It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I was I was with my friend Richard Julian. We were driving in California, and um, we went to see several other friends who were performing at the University of North Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, one of whom was Kenny Wallison, who made this new record, mm. Silver Balloon with me. Mm-hmm. He was on drums playing with a jazz bassist named Mark Johnson mm. um, with a guitarist named Kurt Rosenwinkel and another guitar player named Steve Cardenas. And so they had this quartet and they were playing and we went to, we made a point, we were driving cross country and made a point of stopping in to see them. And, um, and Nora was a student there and, and had been asked by, you know, teacher to go by and pick up the band at the hotel. Cause she had this huge blue Cadillac. And so, she just rolled up and came out, <laughs> stepped out of the car and introduced herself. Right. And, uh, and yeah. And so she, we, we hung out with her and she ended up showing all of us all around den that day. And, and, uh, we had a jam session that night and, and, uh, heard her sing and stayed in touch. Um, and it was before email, you know, so I got her mailing address and I, I mailed her a lead sheet of a song. Right. Um, and we exchanged some letters and it's kind of went from there. Yeah, Where'd you grow up? Yeah. I grew up in New York City. Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, New yeah. York City guy. Still there, right? I'm still here. Yeah. yeah. Study music? Would you, um, writing? I know you're really, you've, you're also a published short story writer as well. And uh, Well, I'm working on that. I mean, I, I've written a book of short stories and, and I've, I've been trying to get like it published. like you're working on it pretty well. Oh, trying to get it published. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> trying to get okay. it published. It hasn't been it was published already published. yet. Okay. All right. 
Oh, yeah. No, no, it hasn't been published yet. I published one short story in some literary journal a few years ago, but even that story, I've already revised it so many times, it's not the same story. Uh, okay. But yeah, I wrote this whole book of short stories. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, I write other stuff too. Yeah, I'm working on a, on a show right now with a friend of mine. Um, we've written a all show? the songs. A musical. Uh-huh. You know, a musical. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so you've always got but, things. Uh, you're working with so many different people, collaborating. Folks are doing yeah. your songs. You've written a soundtrack for um, uh, the hottest Ethan uh, Hawke's film. Yeah. Yeah, the Ethan Hawke. The hottest state. The hottest state yeah. from back in 2006. Tons of different yeah. performers covered your songs, wrote, sung your songs. Right. Um, yeah. What? Um, so let's talk about just growing up. I mean, were you were you um, playing an instrument, what was the most important thing to you? Writing, music, nothing, sports? What was it, what did it look like? No, music was very important. And I was, I was obsessed with music from the time I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I did play piano for like four years, mm-hmm. starting at age 10. I was taking piano lessons, you know, like learning classical music. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And it just didn't occur to me that like, I didn't have to, or that I could have done whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I quit, but there was this guitar that ended up in my possession. Um, and so I started playing the guitar. And then once I started playing guitar, I started writing songs. Mm. Um, and when did you pick it up? I was 17. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fairly, so kind of late. Yeah. Fairly late. Yeah. Yeah. I think like 12, but I had already been playing kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, I had already been playing music for a while, but but not guitar. Uh huh. So I did have some like musical like ability already, you know, it's in my hands. But but uh, but but yeah, playing guitar was a whole new thing. Yeah. Did you go to school? Um, you go to college? I did. I went to Cornell, but I didn't study music there. Okay. I, I didn't really study much of anything there, to be honest. <laughs> did you play a but, lot? I did, yeah. Uh, that's what you yeah. mostly did. You play like, is that what you were doing? Playing open mics or playing just bar? What did that look like open, for you? Or like, I played some open mics in New York City. Uh-huh. Um, but up at up at school, I was playing, like I would have bands and duos and we would play in cafes and bars right. and parties. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Those were my first gigs up there. Okay. Okay. When did you initially start um, recording albums? You had a band uh, with, uh, it was um, Jesse Harris and the uh, the Ferdinand. And the Ferdinandos. Ferdinandos, yeah, that's Ferdinandos. it. I'm having a hard time yeah, yeah, with yeah. getting the words out today. That's kind of a problem. Yeah, yeah. No, like no, that, a lot questions. of people always Ferdinandos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. That was, we named that after an Italian restaurant. Um, uh, yeah, that was, that was my first band mm-hmm. um and like kenny was the drummer of that band okay um there was a guitarist named tony Shear, and tony and i would co- produce the records together and so then when like i got signed to verve records you know i did the first two, you know the, the two records that i did with verve i did them with the ferdinandos okay um and then after that i dropped that name because it was a pain you know like and yeah, people couldn't say people it couldn't and, pronounce and it also or say it or what, what couldn't was pronounce that? it and furthermore like members sometimes couldn't make gigs and there came this point where it's like why am i married to this name when like the 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 personnel is changing constantly i don't need that so right. i just dropped right. it you know well someone had the good sense to not categorize it separately in the catalog on like the streaming services because that could get oh, really that, complicated no, no, that, also i had to make i had to make sure that happened yeah yeah because yeah. It, they were separate they right. were on a separate thing so i had to like 
ask someone at Spotify, ask someone at Apple to please, you know, merge the two uh, profiles. Yeah, because I have to be careful with that when I'm researching, make sure I get all the various iterations because they're all in different places on Spotify or whatever, or that, try that to happens. figure all that out. It sounds mundane, but it's actually like, it's a real, it's a real struggle. Absolutely. And as, as a fan too, like, you're looking for a Bill Evans record. Is it Bill Evans trio or is it Bill Evans? You know, same thing like Gary Burton. Is it the Gary Burton group or Gary Burton quartet? Like so many different jazz artists have these different names on their records and they're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit, that's one of the really not good things about streaming. There's is, so many good is, things about it, but yes. Uh, I mean, is the <clears throat> categorization. There's is like, less ex- these days you're expected to have like your fingers on an entire catalog, which is, right. you know, years and years ago, that was almost unheard of except for a band that you've been collecting records from for, for you right. know, 10, 20 years. How else could you do that? You know? Right. But now it's yeah. like, Oh, you didn't, Oh, you didn't see that. You, what, what? <laughs> Right, right. All right yeah, true, things yeah. are just crazy and changing. How much of these? And <clears throat> I wanted to talk about uh, Cosmo, which is an amazing instrumental album that I that I, oh, that I really you. found uh, uh, compelling and fascinating. Um, yeah. And that the one um, the video for that also um, for the song and Alchemista, Alchemista, another another yeah. what alchemy in Spanish <laughs> or something in Portuguese in Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just fascinating. Alchemist. Kind of, Alchemist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had yeah. um had a real Koyana Scotsy vibe to it. Was that one video piece? Does that like right. feel like a decent reference? Can I go off and do? Oh, that? I love that film. Yeah, Koyana yeah. Scotsy is a great film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cosmo is my instrumental project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super. Uh, super interesting stuff. Wow. We're about to make a new record actually in two weeks. Oh we're no kidding! Oh great! Another yeah. eight, another eight day project. <laughs> no, this will be two days. Oh, like, no fast. kidding. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. May, we may do like, those will be the main days. And then there may be some extra days of overdubs and stuff, but you know, it's instrumental music. So we're going to go for performances. This will be more like going for performances. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Um, touring. Do you tour a ton? I know, I know like <clears throat> you've been to, you've been to a number of different countries, uh, China, yeah. India, Brazil, Japan right. and Tokyo and um yeah, yeah. you know all over Europe all over the world. Um right. what's kind of your vibe on performing and connecting with an audience and um you know for someone who's written so many amazing studio albums and so many amazing songs and collaborated with so many others um what's that like for you to get up there with a mic and a guitar or whatever you do and perform? I love to perform. I'm not a heavy touring artist though. Mm-hmm. I don't like go out and do like two months in the U S or something or like a month in Europe. And like, I, I just, I tend to do these little handpicked things, you know, like yeah. I'll play like a show in Paris. I just played in LA. Um, I played in New York last week. I'm going to do a, like a one week tour in Mexico in January. Yeah. Yeah. Back in, you know, in June, I played a like a ten day tour in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I usually go to Japan and I'll do a tour there. And I think that you know because of COVID, everything got thrown back. You know, by several years. Yeah, yeah. I, so I haven't been there in a while, which I, I, I really miss it there. Um, but I hope to do a tour there next year. But long story short, I tend to do these short, you know, tours that are more about going to places that I love than yeah. about like, I saw there was a blue note in Tokyo. What's that about? Oh yeah. They have blue note. They have a blue note in Tokyo, Osaka, Nagoya. Um, 
Where else do they have one? They uh, Tokyo, Osaka, Nagoya, maybe Kyoto. I'm not sure. Maybe Yokohama. Wow. Um, but they have blue notes all over the world. I've played at the Blue Note in Milan. Um, they got a Blue Note in Napa Valley. They got one in Honolulu. Interesting. Um, yeah, Blue Note's a great enterprise. They've got one in Sao Paulo, and and they've got one in Rio. Nice, nice. Uh, how, yeah. For someone that's not necessarily a heavy touring musician, um, yeah. clearly there are other challenges during the, the COVID, the pandemic, you know, the dark days of the pandemic. How did that most affect you as a musician or, and performer? Um, I mean, honestly, it, it benefited me in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. I had the home, I had a home studio and, and I recorded a ton. So I made records. I did so many projects here and it was very creative. I also was lucky because um, a friend of mine, an artist who I've written songs with uh, a singer named Melody Gardot, mm -hmm. um, she, she lives in Paris. And so early, like early on, she, she uh, asked me to come over to Europe and play guitar with her to do promotion for a new record right. that she was releasing. So in October, of 2020, I started going to Europe and I spent a month over there working with her. And then I went back and forth to Paris. And we also went to, we went to Lisbon, we went to Spain and we, you know, so I was over in Europe a lot playing with her. And then that summer we did a tour in France. The summer um, of 2021. 21. Yeah. Yeah. So, you so know, you, were really, that whole, you, you got, you got out there, you got out in the thick of it. Yeah. And I got to go to, and obviously Mexico was open to, to us citizens. So mm -hmm. I was going there as well and doing tours and recordings there. So I was pretty lucky in that I got to travel. And I mean, for me, it was lucky. I know that there were a lot of musicians who didn't want to travel. They didn't want to go anywhere. Um, yeah. but I was quite eager to like get out and move around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got friends all over the planet, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it felt good to, to, to be able to move. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> not necessarily being tied to uh, performance and gaining an audience like that, perhaps. Um, does that talk about a little bit of how that might affect kind of the freedom to create an album like Silver Balloon, where there's so many interesting and different sounds in that that may or may not be able to be reproduced or, or, right. um, or difficult to be reproduced with a number of different mm -hmm. artists? How, what, does, that, does that give you a level of freedom? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, having the time to explore and be creative in the studio led gave me the the tools to make Silver Balloon. Hundred mm. percent. If it hadn't been, you know, look, I, the pandemic was really hard for a lot of people, and a lot of people died. But, but, but it also gave a lot of people time to to work on things. Yeah. And for me, it gave me time to 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 hone my skills in the studio which i hadn't done before i always would just hire an engineer to do it and so it gave me real agency uh, as a producer and mm. as an artist to be able to like open up the the studio and, and make records yeah um and so it's been that was a great change that that happened because of all that and that that record is a direct result do you usually tour will you tour behind this album or do you usually tour behind albums like yeah, like I said, I, I I don't think I'll do a big tour behind this record, uh -huh. uh, except to go to you know the tour, the shows that I've done in Paris, L.A., and here, and then Mexico in January, and then hopefully 
J- Japan next year. But otherwise, no, I don't think I'm going to do a tour. Mm-hmm. Like a proper tour. Yeah, yeah. So kind of your mindset is more, you know, you're a songwriter and that's how you get your name out there. And that's how you get just, you do what you do and you do, you put your creative process out there and, um, you know, it's a whole, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a separate mindset than those that are putting out albums and have, and, and have fans that want to see them perform live. And that's sort of the way that they gain traction. Can you talk about that in terms of your own sort of sort of music business perspective, but also the ability to like create and to how you get off on your own artistic expression and sure. know that others are listening to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the fact is I don't tour a lot. And so I think, you know, I don't have a huge fan base of people who are hearing the music that I might, if I had put in that time to, to do that, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. Um, and, but for me, I, I, you know, I, I like to make records. I almost have to make records. I, I, cause I, it's just a, I don't know if it's a habit or an instinct or something, but I make records <laughs> and, and it, it feels good to put them out yeah, yeah. Um, and move on. But I like, you know, as you said, I also, I collaborate with a lot of different people. I produce artists. I write songs with people. Mm. Um, I have projects, you know, a lot of different projects. And so, for me, it is more useful to have freedom and not be, you know, stuck inside my own identity as an artist who's only doing his own thing and touring all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just my path. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. And I enjoy it. You know, I enjoyed that. That's great. I mean, I, you know, I, as as I told you before, you know, I talked to a, many artists about performing and being out and what's that audience interaction and what's that that's all about. But that's kind of just one way of doing it, man. Um, yeah. You know, you talked about <clears throat> that's your own identity. Um, right. You know, when you're when you're a songwriter, you're sort of you're you're creating on a constant basis, you know, and. Is that, you mentioned also, is that a habit or an instinct? So what is it for you? Is, is there a distinction? Can you talk about that a, a little bit? What's the process that gets you through to the next point? And because, you know, if it's a habit, I guess I think like maybe things are being, the same things are being repeated. Uh, instinctual perhaps is something where you can, where it's kind of inside of you and you're creating new things. What's that, what's that sort right. of look like from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I make a record and I think, well, I guess that's it. I don't know if I'll make another record. And the next thing I know, I'm making another record. <laughs> that's what I think uh, about. Like, what is that like? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I I do know that when I make a new record, I, I, I'm making the best record that I can. Mm-hmm. And I usually think it's the best one that I've made. And mm. then afterwards I think it stinks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think, oh, that, that's, that's stank. I have to do a new one, you know, like oh, to make, after, to do go, better after you put it out. Yeah. Do you like listen later back off. to them often? Not often. No, no. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes I do make records that I, I still think are good, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that silver balloon is one that I'm going to continue to think is good, which is partly why I've taken the extra effort to, you know, to do promotion and publicity for it. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I want people to hear this record. Yeah I, yeah. I really do believe in this album. And, and, and I think that Kenny and I kind of, we kind of, you know, fell into something cool with this record. Totally. I would, um, I would hundred percent agree. Yeah. And thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, but yeah. At any rate, I, 
I I feel you know this one. I don't think I'll I'll look back and think oh that sucked you know. But like sometimes I do you know I'll look back and I'll think ah oh, those lyrics you know couldn't you have done better you know or why you know why didn't you work harder on that song to make it better or are why you did hard, you do how, this? How, or, are you hard on yourself? How long do you carry that those kind of thoughts along? Oh. With? Oh, but they're very brief and fleeting. Yeah, okay. You know, I don't dwell on things that have happened. Yeah. But but sometimes I'll hear something, I'll just think, why? Why that? You know, it could have been so much better. Um, but I guess that's the point is you keep going to to try to learn these things. Yeah. Um, How much does putting together an album like Silver Balloon, which is um, has so many such a variety of artistic inspiration and expression? Does that, how much does that give you um, to feed your instinct, let's say, to continue to move on and give you confidence that, God, I, I'm, I've been this far into my career and, and, I, and I'm doing this and it feels new and fresh? Does that right. kind of breathe life into you at all? Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, absolutely. And, and in fact, I mean... Uh, Kenny and I took that inspiration and put it also into making all these films for the. For I saw the all those. Album. Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah, you snuck the, one uh, in there from um, from Cosmo too, which was when I. Oh saw yes, it. we did exactly. I was like, exactly. wait, where is this? And then that spun me out onto Cosmo too. Right. Yeah, Kenny and I made that video too, so I wanted to include it. But yeah, there. If for anyone interested, it's on YouTube as the Silver Balloon videos. Right. Yeah. Um, um, and we screened those at a cinema here in New York, uh, oh, at the no Roxy kidding. Cinema. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. It, was it was really cool to see them up on the big screen. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, as for the record and like how it'll, you know, inspire me going forward, I, it, it, you know, I think maybe just the spirit of, you know, more of really exploring, you know, seeing what can happen. I can't say that I'll repeat the same things we did on this because maybe next time, there'll be something else needed, you know, and mm -hmm. what we did won't be the right thing. Mm. Um, but, but, uh, but I think it definitely widened, you know, um, widened my sense of possibility, you know, and risk taking. Yeah. What's it like to work with Kenny after all these years? Do you guys, you, you must, it's, it, it's uh, it sound, it seems like it's just an amazing partnership if you're around for this long and doing so many, just a, such a variety of different things. Do you guys ever find yourself sort of stuck together or do you pull each other up? What does that look like? We just have fun. <laughs> and That's a good start. We, we just have a good time and like if if somebody likes something, we go with it. And if so, you know, there's, there's not really a lot of, there's almost no disagreeing. There's no vibe or friction or anything. It's just kind of move, just moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, we, we just have a good time. Yeah. Um, and like, we both really like to work, but then we both really like to hang out too. So totally. like when it's dinner, when it's dinner time, we're like psyched to go out and have some dinner, you know, yeah. but <laughs> But also really psyched like to go back and keep working. Um, it, it just it feels very, uh, I guess, easy is the word. You know, it just feels easy and creative. Um, like anything can happen. Yeah, you're a pretty positive person. I get the feeling. I try. <laughs> I try. Yeah, why? Well, I guess I. That am. laugh was kind of like uh, he doesn't know me, right? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I think I'm positive. <laughs> yeah. I think I am positive. Yeah. 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 How does that kind of manifest itself for you? Have you always been like that? I admire people that are like super positive all the time. Um, 
I wonder, have I always been this way? Uh, probably, yeah. I probably have been. Because yeah. I, I, I think that, yeah, because I can remember like even, yeah, like with my first band, we had this meeting with the uh, label after we made our second record. And they, they were like, this is totally not right. You got you to gotta go back to the drawing board. You got to keep working. And mm. I remember I walked out of the meeting and that was what, back when, like, if your label wasn't happy, it was, like, bad, you know? It was so bad because yeah, there, yeah. you didn't have a lot of choices and the labels had so much control, you know, and money. Um, and I remember walking out of the meeting, I was like, cool, let's keep going. Let's write some new tunes. Let's, like, wow. let's do more stuff. Holy and, shit. And my partner was devastated. Like, she was just devastated. So, I don't know. It was... Uh, Okay, so now I'm kind yeah, of understanding so why so many people want to work with you and sing your songs and be in the studio with you. Well, I think positive energy is really important when you're collaborating with people. People have to feel encouraged yeah. and feel like it's okay to have ideas and like there aren't, you know, that our ideas aren't stupid and whatever you're singing isn't stupid. Like, yeah. right? Like, what is that? What are you saying? Like, what is that lyric? Let's work on that, you know? Because um, I think. A lot of people have that voice in their head just saying, this is stupid or, you're, you know, or you're stupid or you're stuck, you know, <laughs> that's when mm. a lot of people's heads a lot. And, and, and I think it's, it's good for, you know, for everybody to have good positive energy when you're, when you're creating something. Yeah. It's that inner voice. That's not that you need that can be the downfall and it makes it really yeah. difficult. You know, I've got that too, in that all I have of to life. try to control. Yeah. That I have to yeah, try to and, control and everything. You know, that they're just yeah. thoughts like don't let it don't 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 believe the shit that your brain's telling you most of the yeah, time. Yeah, your brain says you can't. You can't. Why the you fuck know? is that? You can't. Man? Why, you shouldn't. What the hell? I mean, uh, you know, it's habit. It's habit. Like uh I it's more than habit. It's um well, I have thoughts about this. Let's go. I think that all right. <laughs> I think that the 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 human brain is in a search for identity. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, people are very, um, obsessed with identity and creating an identity, um, that they feel familiar with, uh, so that they can feel that they know themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, but unfortunately as a mal like the brain malfunctions and it, it, it sort of attaches itself to negative patterns because it associates those with identity. Like, oh, I always do this, or I'm always like this, like my pattern is this thing, like, and they create a story out of themselves. Um, people call that a narrative, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's not really, it doesn't have to be the, the case. Um, and so I think that's why the, you, you say to yourself, oh, I, you know, I suck, or I can't, because you, your brain is like, or your mind, you're afraid of stepping outside of what's, you know, that, 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 that circle of what you've, created for who you are and so to do something different makes you think it's like it's not you so it's unfamiliar territory and it's scary and yeah. so your brain says you can't you suck you know like that's not you right and right, so right. then you step back um and i don't know that's my theory well <clears throat> i don't think it's necessary like it's a yeah it's it's not wrong. I mean, you know, you right. have a, there's a there's a certain way that your brain wants you to believe based on past patterns, 
And, right. you know, everyone's got those voices in their head that's saying for some reason, like, no, you can't do that, or that sucked, or you shouldn't go in that right. direction, or it's, this right. is going to stop you because these are the reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. Or but, everyone's going to think you're this or that or whatever. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, you know, being able to pull yourself out of that and realize that those are just thoughts and probably no one else is thinking those about you. At the, That's true too. You know, yeah. so just move forward and what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, to yeah. kind of like make it pretty simple, but um, how do you, how do you personally stay in that positive space? Well, I think, you know, some daily habits certainly help, you mm -hmm. know, like I have certain routines that, that, you know, like I exercise pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. What do you do? And I I like to run these days. I used to be a big swimmer, but oh. the, uh, but in the pandemic, the pools the pool was closed for like a year, and then during that year, I started running, and then I got accustomed to running, and yeah. it was more convenient. Um, but I find exercise or like just the simplest thing, like you know what you eat in the morning or like just basic habits like that can help kind of keep you a little more grounded. Hmm. Um, uh, at least for me. So what are you eating for breakfast? What's the secret? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, first thing in the morning, I like to have a glass of lemon water. Seriously? This base, this base player told me, this is a long time ago. He said he read a nutrition book and the book said, if you, if you take away one thing from this book, it's this first thing in the morning, when you wake up, have a glass of lemon water. Okay. So I started doing it and I found it like it's really woke me up, you know? Yeah, um, I bet it did. It's really vile. Do you get to put sugar in it or anything like that? Oh, no, no. You just take a lemon, <laughs> like a, cut a lemon in half, take a lemon squeezer, squeeze the lemon juice in there. All right. It's delicious. Okay. Um, it's not that much I like lemon it. juice. I like it's it. just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but I guess like during the night, like your body gets very dehydrated, and in the morning you need to have some hydration. Yeah, it's very simple. So drink water. Basically, they're just putting lemon in it. Have a glass yeah, of water when you wake up. Okay, but check this out. So I, um, when I was in college, I had a friend whose father was a food chemist. Um, so like food chemists, they invent you know flavors and stuff yeah yeah they're responsible you know. for the 1700 ingredients in doritos probably yeah right, something right, like right, that right. he told me he said even back then he's like if you want to get hydrated put a little bit of lemon juice and water it helps your your body absorbs it faster no kidding Okay. And that's why, like, if people are dehydrated, like, uh, you know, for any number of reasons, they're dehydrated, you're supposed to, like, eat um, a banana because it has potassium because yeah, what yeah. you need is potassium. Right. Like, if you just drink water, your body can't absorb just plain water. And so people who are dehydrated sometimes, like, don't get hydrated from drinking water. So you have, you need, that's why Gatorade has, like, whatever, electrolytes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. So there's a little so, bit of chemical in the lemon or something. Yeah, there's some chemistry so, involved. So hydration yeah. is the key to living a positive life. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. It um, went back but, to like but, the habits of doing the same thing. And then I asked you what you yeah, have for breakfast. Yeah, these things, little things, you know, little routines, I think can be, it's good to have routine. Like if you look at, uh, I don't know, there's certain books that will show you like the daily 
routine of like the great composers, you know? Or, yeah, yeah. Or, or what, what was oh, that book, certain, like The Seven Habits of the Most Successful People or something like that? Oh, um, right? I didn't anyway, read that. Yeah, but, yeah, let's get but, but like a lot of authors are that way, you know? Uh -huh. Like apparently Stephen King, um, he writes every day, every day yeah. from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Right. He turned, like no one can disturb him during that time. He won't answer an email or a phone call or anything. He goes into his office, closes the door, and from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. he writes. And then for the rest of the day, he does whatever he wants. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of like classical composers were this way. Like I think Charles Ives had a schedule where it was like, Every minute of the day was plotted out, you know, 1230 to 130, he would read from 130 to, you know, 230, he would work on composition. Then she would like, right. but it was like, every, and then like, or, or like there was a lunch period, there was a the breakfast, lunch and dinner period. There was a coffee period, you know, like, and he followed the schedule re religiously. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that everyone who does that's going to be happy, but I think that it helps you from feeling like you're just floating, um, you know, aimlessly through life, these little grounding things can help uh, yeah, yeah. make you more productive. So you do that. You get like well, no, various, you get scheduled, or what does that what no, does that look like for actually, you from I a don't. creative standpoint? Actually, I don't. I have some daily routines, but mine aren't so structured like that. Yeah. You know? Like I think. Oh, the other one is uh, Murakami. You know Murakami. Sounds familiar. He, he's a Japanese author. Uh huh. Apparently, he works from like four in the morning until like noon or something crazy like that every single day when he's writing a book and then like goes for a run and then like chills out goes to, like has some dinner goes to bed at eight you know same thing and and does this until he finishes the book um mm. i don't know everyone's got his own thing i think it's a matter of each person finding out what that is that's all what's that been for you um well I'm not a classical composer and I'm not an author. I mean, I've written, I wrote this book of short stories, but I don't consider myself an author like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So writing songs is something that let's face it, like it can be more spontaneous, you know, mm -hmm. you can be somewhere and then decide to like write something. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to have that daily uh, routine. Although I know there are people who do that too, who are songwriters. Um, mm -hmm. Um, but for you, I can get sounds, into that. Yeah. It I can do it for a period for you. I can do that for a period, mm -hmm. but, but it's, yeah, it tends more to be spontaneous for me. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I think of like uh, the literary world where you're actually, you're create kind of, if you're a novelist, you're creating an entirely different world. It's not like you're going to do that in a park bench and, uh, in central park and like write it down in the notes portion yeah. of your iPhone. Unless you're yes. like, like Jack Kerouac would just like live his bohemian life. Right. And He'd then be writing he at to city write lights book. bookstore, like upstairs or something like that. Well, what he would do is like, is you know, like, like on the road, he wrote it, like took a lot of amphetamines and, and just wrote the whole book in, in one sitting in like three weeks uh, on one continuous scroll of paper. Wow. So that right. that was his thing. You know, right, like right. he would just live his, his crazy life. And then when it was time to work, he would work his ass off for a period and then go back to, you know, his bohemian life. Yeah. I think. Um, well, you say you, you, you've got some new material out there. Um, yeah. and, uh, what's kind of the process of 
where does your mind go and where do you get the sort of the, the creative impetus to say, hey, you know, these are some new ideas that I want to put out there and I believe that they're valid and they're interesting and they kind of reflect where I am right now. Um, how do you shift gears from, you know, let's just say the silver balloon era, for example, of thinking, right? How, like, is there a tendency to continue to go in a similar direction or how do you make a break to be, to be different? Is it similar or different? And what does that break look like? Let's say. Oh, well, I mean, I honestly, I can step outside of that and do something at any moment. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So there's not really, not really a transition period for me, you know, like I was working with an artist today and we, wrote a song today and we were working on a recording we did just a couple days ago. Mm. And, you know, the next time I'm going to be doing this, you know, the, this new Cosmo record. Um, so I don't know. I think that can happen. There doesn't have to be some transition period for me. Okay. So you're yeah. kind of, you can, you, you find it easy to balance different levels of different sort of creative directions at once. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. kind of a learned skill? Is that is that is that something that's unique? Do you think, or um, is it just sort of from individual to individual? It varies. Oh yeah, I think it's from yeah. I think it's individual. I mean, there's a lot of great session musicians who can like walk into a studio and just pour their heart out into a record, and then like that night go and play on a completely different type of album or that, do a gig with a completely different group, you know, and the next day switch over and do another session with someone else. And, huh. you know, that's their lives. It's just, it's like kind of just a form of conversation and connection with yeah. others. And, and also commitment, like committing to the situation, committing to what it, whatever it is you're doing in the moment. Uh huh. What's that process kind of looking like for the, the new Cosmos album and material? What can we, uh, what can we look forward to? Um, well, it'll be different from the last record. The last record had, uh, horns, you know, the, yeah. they were really a defining part of the group, but our trumpet player, CJ moved to LA and, and it, replacing him is just really difficult. And our trombonist works on, he works in Broadway and he's all, always busy. And so there came this point where I was like, you know what, let's do a quartet gig with no horns. Um, and it was two guitars, bass, and drums, and it was really fun. Mm -hmm. And I found that, you know, it's only natural when when there was horn players that we would want to support the horn players. When yeah. the horn players took away the horn players, we started to play more. And mm. the and also, I don't know, it got a little, for lack of a better word, it got a little more jammy, which was fun. Nice and. And so this new record is going to be two guitars, bass, drums with some like synth, you know, modular synth overdubs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we'll see. Every it's record is it is instrumental. It's all instrumental. Yeah, uh -huh. that's yeah. what Cosmos is going to be. Oh yeah, Cosmo is an instrumental band. Okay, is yeah. that freeing for you? Do you enjoy that? What are the, what are what are kind of the main thing? The main differences for you, other than the lack of of, of lyrics. What's well, getting used to, you know, like when I first started playing with Cosmo to be on stage and not be singing, you know, yeah. um, but now I'm quite used to it. It's, it's, uh, it's fun. You know, look, when you're a singer, singers have a lot of stuff they have to, you know, think about, you know, a singer, the fact is, I mean, look, there are some people who just sing great all the time mm -hmm. and 
they just got that thing, you know? Yeah. But even them, like a singer still needs a good night of sleep. You know, mm-hmm. you can't like go out talking in a loud club the night before. Yeah, the instrument is you part know, of your like, body. It's like a really yeah. basic fact, but it's co- quite overlooked by... Yeah, like by, I've read about James Taylor frequently. saying, saying like it sucks for him to have to do a day of press before a concert because then his voice gets tired, yeah. you know, and he's like not at the same level he wants to be. Talking is what and, makes your voice tired, not necessarily singing. <laughs> also, yeah, learned. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like singers, like being a singer, there's, you know, there's pressure. And, you know, what did I eat for dinner? Should I eat dinner before the gig? Should I eat dinner after the gig? And like, mm. you know, did I warm up? Should I warm up? You know, like all these things that, that, um, you know, are a factor. And when you're not singing, yeah. like, then you're just playing, you know? Right, right. And that's kind of, of course, look, if you're a musician, I'm sure you can come up with a thousand other things to worry about, you know? <laughs> right, <laughs> I've right, seen right, right, right. plenty of stressed out instrumental performers too. But um, going back to the but, whole positive thinking attitude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, but, you know, it's just, it's nice not to worry, you know, just like, just play. Just be, be able, able to play, play. guitar. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. That's kind of fun yeah. sometimes, you know. So do you set up, like, do you already have in your mind, we're doing this in three days, we're going to the studio and doing this in three days? You have your own studio, is that correct? I do. So this it's, not like a co- it's not like a cost decision or something. It's like, no. Well, actually, available. it's funny you ask. This, yeah, this particular uh, session, we're going to do it in a studio just because, like, I I just don't want I feel like it'll be cooler for this thing like because I want to play I want us to be able to play pretty loud mm-hmm. and like I can do stuff at home but I don't know if I want to have like eight hours for two days of a loud band with like loud amps and loud drums in my apartment yeah I'm not sure I want to ask that of my neighbors <laughs> I'll do some sessions I don't mind doing sessions but like that particular group I have a feeling we're gonna want to play loud and yeah. and uh and long. And I just think it'll be cooler if we can just be in a studio. So for two days, we are going to go to a studio and then I'm going to come home and maybe work on overdubs or editing and, you know, stuff like that. How hard is it for you to edit like a instrumental performance? Oh, I mean, I, you know, not hard. I just, it might mean, you know, taking like if a particular say outro was better on one take, like editing it onto another take or, you know, if something's too long, shortening it, you know, things like this, right. or choosing, choosing stuff, choosing takes or choosing overdubs or, you know, adding stuff or again, like maybe processing some of the sounds, you know, yeah. we'll see. You're not getting, so in other words, you're not getting super deep into the internal guts of a song. You're like taking an outro or shortening something, but you're not necessarily altering what's going on in between like a oh. phrase or something like that oh 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 no i don't think we'll do, yeah. be doing a lot of that you're like correcting yeah, stuff yeah, no yeah, no yeah. no no i don't think so uh-huh. i mean unless there's some like glaring thing when like but then we just maybe cut in apart from another take or something interesting but, yeah yeah, you know? yeah i like i like kind of i like those miles davis records where you hear like the harsh ed- edits you know <laughs> there's so many of those as deep as, as you have Oh, like those, you can, like, if you listen to On the Corner, uh-huh. it just starts in the middle of a song. The okay. album, check it out. It starts in the middle of a song. <laughs> okay. Um, but like, a, yeah, Miles do a lot of heavy edits, you know, like with his producer, Teo Macero, they would do like 
very extreme edits, but mm. it's so cool. It really works. Like, and this is when they were working with tape, they were just like, bam, all of a sudden it would just cut to a new take, but it totally, they did, they were geniuses obviously. So that yeah. helped, but, uh, but, but it's pretty cool. Interesting. I, John Lennon did that, you know, on, um, the plastic Ono band album. Uh-huh. There's, I think it's in the middle of the song. Look at me. Yeah. All of a sudden, it cuts to another vocal take that sounds like completely different. It's the most untechnical edit I ever heard of a vocal. But right. he's like, "Fuck it, I don't care. I'm just doing this." Yeah, if you're not shooting for perfection and just creation, yeah. that kind of changes the the rules, right? I guess. Yeah. The rules are really it's only expectations, are, though. People tolerate a lot more than you think, you know? Yeah. Another thing where your brain's anything. telling you, no, that yeah. doesn't sound that great. People are like, fuck it. We want to hear you create. And if that's what you're doing. Well, the, you other, know, the other thing is that, like, these days, I, my criticism of most records these days is that they're too perfect. They've been too corrected. Mm. And, like, to the point where when you listen to them, it's like nothing left for you as a listener to add, mm-hmm. you know? And so you hear it and you're like, cool, that was perfect. What, you know, let's listen to something else. Like, I don't ever have to hear that again. Whereas things that are imperfect somehow Interesting. catch your ear wait, so you and just, you yeah, want to hear yeah. them again. And you were saying, wait, there's nothing left for the listener to add. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. concept itself that, you know, uh, that speaks to kind of the participatory nature of listening to be an active yeah. listener. And you, but, and you're, what you're saying is like, if there's nothing to add, then why do I need to listen to it again? Because my brain's kind of just being shut off by the perfection of yes, what I'm listening it's perfect. to. Yeah. Like the drums are perfectly in That's time. a perfect They've song. Been... Don't ever fucking play that for me again. Right. 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 Or I don't <laughs> that even just need to does not again. sound correct. Right. But no, let's yeah. explore that a little bit though. You like to be an active listener. If it's, you don't want to hear perfection personally is what you're saying. Well, it's just when you, when you uh, eradicate all spontaneity from, from music, then mm. it becomes a, a dull thing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's what, and, and then we were talking about performance also. That's sort of what performance is. That's why people go. That's why when you're right. in a large concert hall and somebody, and, a, and a, you're at a jam band, for example, and a guy will make a mistake or something like, cause they're just like, just going off and going into some jam right. and you know, the crowd's like, yeah, they love that. Right. It's the, it's the human, yeah. it adds, a, it, it adds a human factor. Um, yeah. it's a little different when you're in a studio because you're creating the impression that it's an, right. Um, that it's an improvisational moment, for example. Um, right. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. What is that like, that, that, that perfection versus kind of not, not feeling like it's all this beautiful, Well, this is funny because there creation. are certain like records that are perfect that I still love, you know, like, like Fleetwood Mac's record, you know, like Rumors is perfect, but oh, yeah. it sounds so good, you know, like our Steely Dan's Asia is perfect, but somehow it does have enough, it's have so much, it's, it's perfect, but they captured so many like moments, you know, mm. but I guess what I mean is like a lot of records today where I feel that like this, everything is just so perfect. The drum sound is so perfect. Like the vintage keyboard sound is so perfectly vintage. Mm. And like the, the guitar tremolo is perfect. And like the mix is perfect and the mastering is perfect. And it's just, I don't know. I just find it kind of boring. Yeah. Do you listen Um, to that love, that perfection less than, 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 other things that kind of challenge you and sound different. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, that could be me too. Cause like I listen to the, like a lot of old, 
obscure vinyls that right. you know that that you can't even get you can't even stream them because they're so obscure yeah like, i yeah. just like i listen to a lot of these old haitian records from the 60s and 70s oh interesting too. oh yeah you spin like do you do like dj of like haitian stuff i gotta, yeah, I I gotta some, come yeah. to something like that yeah there'll be one thursday um if i was in new york in i'd new york. totally be there yeah where are you i'm in chicago Oh, okay. There's got to cool. be some stuff like that going on here. But tell me about what you do with that. Or, but well, so, but, but the Asian, the Haitian we got on the, because, uh, right. that subject, because it's like, it's so different than other things. It's not perfect. It's not, it's, it's a, I mean, very it's hardly kind perfect. You really feel like you're like almost entering into another era. You know, it's just, um, it, it's, it, it, it kind of brings to life a whole period of time, um, mm. that's, <clears throat> Uh, that's not even that doesn't even exist anymore but but the point is just that i listen to a lot of old records so yeah. like i'm not a good person to ask because i don't listen to like a lot of new perfectly recorded and, oh no 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 you're stuff. a great person to ask because you're listening right. to this old stuff that's not perfectly right. put together well that's what i wanted actually with my album with silver balloon yeah, yeah. like i decided to mix it myself because Kenny and I really loved the the rough mixes that we were making. Mm -hmm. And I just thought if I give this to an engineer, they're going to make it perfect and it'll sound great, uh -huh. but it won't be as like much fun to listen to. Yeah. I remember hearing that somewhere that you were like, you were happy to be able to go and, 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 and mix these things yourself and produce it yourself because you get to put your own stamp on it. And like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? I, I've heard that Ry Cooter only uses rough mixes. Like he does not oh, allow his engineer to 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 do final mixes, and I think that's exactly the reason. Um, is this something that and is so this is kind of a new thought for you, or these, or, or has this always kind of been in your sort of realm of what you're? I mean, I've been aware of it a you. long time, but I I think that it was the first time that I myself to like did that, you know, because it um, feels real similar with it. the silver the silver balloon vibe. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well, you know, back to that record. Yeah. It was the first time that I decided to just embrace that yeah. and just say, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want, I don't want someone to make this great. I, I want to, I want it to be unique and imperfect. And I think that'll be more interesting. Um, and I've mixed enough records that I, I you know, I knew what I wanted it to sound like. Um, and after all, like, I don't know, I think mixing has changed a lot too. Mm. Um, I think that it used to be you would get good sounds and then you would just balance the tracks and that was mixing. Um, at some point, mixing became like more of an art. Uh, and look, I, I'm sure, I mean, even Beatles records, I'll bet it was just a matter of balancing the tracks. Like I've seen videos where like the dude who recorded uh, Electric Lady was putting up the Hendrix mixes you know they just had the, the the individual tracks and like put up the harmonies and then put up the drums and like once he put everything up it sounded like the record it wasn't like he put everything up and then had to put it through all these different you know compressors and eqs and you know mm -hmm. uh tape delays and and uh, spring reverbs blah 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 he just like put up the sounds and there was the records like oh that's crosstown traffic and right. and I don't know. I think at some point it became more like mixing became more of this art form. And maybe that happened with technology, you know, when things got more into the digital world through. But then again, look, I, I'm also, 
I remember making my first record and they would spend like a day mixing a song, you know, and mm-hmm. there was a lot to it, but I don't know, maybe once upon a time, there wasn't a lot to it. It was just putting up the, the tracks and that was it. And balancing them. And it was just balancing. Well, I mean, like many things like technology is a positive and a negative, you know, it's brought us a right. lot, but then it's allowed us to have the tools to really yeah. define and really refine and make things seem like they're perfect. If that's where you yeah. want to go. Yeah. <clears throat> it's very interesting. Talk to me about your label before, before I let you go. Okay. Um, well, I have this label called Secret Sun Recordings, mm-hmm. and I, I I just have a digital distribution deal mm-hmm. for it. And so mostly I release, really almost entirely, I release music that I work on. So I work with an artist, and then, and then you know, we release the music through my label. Yeah. And that's a lot of times it's people who, you know, either don't want to try to find a label or haven't been able to, or just they're like, yeah, let's just do it, you know, so... But then sometimes I'll put out artists and they go on to sign with labels like uh, Maya Hawk, for example. I, mm-hmm. um, when we first started recording together, I just said, hey, you want to just put these out on my label? And she's like, yeah, let's just do that. We didn't even look at labels. Uh-huh. So we put out two singles on my label and then mom and pop got interested and they signed her. Um, or, for example, I just produced a jazz record this year mm-hmm. of a great pianist named John Dryden. Mm-hmm. And so... Put out his la- his record on my label, and you know, or I did um, the first single of this artist from Paris named Gabby Hartman, um, and we re- we recorded it, and then I released it, and then she went on to sign with Sony, and now Sony's putting out her music, you know. Right. And for myself, I put out Cosmo, and I put out my records. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's just a nice outlet. It's a great way. Like I have a studio, we can record and then we can release the music. Yeah. You're making um, artists and you're giving artists uh, a, a platform to sound really cool. And then bigger labels are picking them off. Like what's that about? Right. Uh, you know, that's good for people. Like if you can move on to a label, that's going to give you a proper budget and promote you. And you know, that's wonderful. Yeah. Cause I don't do that. Honestly, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay for promotion for artists, really. Right. Um, I right. paid, you know, I've done publicity, but I have, generally I'm not going to do that. So, so I provide the studio and the and the you know the and the digital platform, but um, you know, so far it's it's fun, it's nice, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, it sort of like plays into the collaborative vibe that you've that that you have and that you've sort of operated yeah. under. Yeah, and you're able to find new uh, you 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 find new artists. You record with them, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fun. Awesome. awesome. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if you know streams paid more. You know, whatever. But doing what we can. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. There's nothing like the 400 million streams that uh, uh, don't know why has like garnered. That's only on right. Spotify. I have no idea, like right. worldwide. Like I, I guess that's you know that that kind of thing is like measured in record sales, which is also like astronomical. But yeah, yeah man, congratulations! That's awesome. And this, uh, and you just continue to just put out amazing, just super compelling stuff. I mean, I think like we really, I think we really hit on something about like the non perfection and the challenging of listening, which I really think that you tap into. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, most of the records that we love, you know, they're, 
they have something about them that just like makes you want to hear them over and over and over again. It, maybe it's and that I imperfection. Think, I don't know. The Grateful yeah. Dead would always talk about how they were like just exactly. We got it just exactly perfect, which I'm not really exactly sure what that means. Right. It's something but that's like, probably well, why sort of like not really that perfect, but we're trying our best. Well, that's why more people respond to the live Dead recordings than you know than their oh yeah for studio sure recordings. for sure yeah. You know? Um, yeah, there's an interesting, uh, kind of correlation with creating, uh, uh, recordings that don't necessarily reflect that perfection that you can achieve something that's more contemporaneous. That's extemporaneous, I should say. Right. Um, yeah. that reflects kind of what, what music can sound like in the moment or, or, you know, or how weird can we make it sound? How can we make it challenging and different? And yeah, yeah, I keep thinking like, you know, you're not necessarily out there touring behind every album or playing 150 shows a year. Um, but that challenge is reflected in what you're doing and it is extraordinarily compelling. Just moving around inside your catalog also from a songwriting perspective, Mm -hmm. really interesting stuff. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And thank you for having me on your, on your, on your show yeah you're welcome jesse anytime man this was uh this was a lot of fun and uh thanks for sharing kind of your creative process and mindsets and uh again this new album silver balloon we just got one of them silver balloons out there it's been out since october 21st it's just really kind of mind bending and gender genre bending is what i had down from uh, from my own notes i think it was really really extraordinary cosmo is amazing what's the what's the kind of timing on the new cosmo you're going in you're recording this thing so we're talking like next year sometime yeah yeah Yeah, it'll come out next year sometime who knows maybe by march april right on right on yeah All right, man. Good luck. I hope to catch up with you sometime. Yes, that'd be great. Thank you so much, Josh. Yeah, take care, Jesse. Thanks. Okay, talk soon. Bye. Cheers. Okay, that was me and Jesse Harris having just a really nice conversation. I was so glad to be able to chat with Jesse. He's just a really extraordinary Human really loved chatting with him. You know, he's so precise and articulate about his own process and truly loves his latest album, Silver Balloon, as do I. And I really like talking to him about that. Uh, he's also got a collection of companion videos to Silver Balloon that we chatted about. You can find those on YouTube and he even snuck in a video of one of the cuts from Cosmo's latest uh, album, which is instrumental. And of course, he's coming out with some new Cosmo material, which I'm really looking forward to. And you can visit his website for more information. But mostly I came away with a really new and very strong positive outlook from this conversation. And I hope you all did too. Jesse was cool enough to talk to me about uh, sort of his attitude towards positivity. You know, he's a very positive person and you really get that from this conversation. And when you're a songwriter and you need to have that creative process every day in order to express your own artistic creativity, um, he's very in touch with what those drivers are of positivity. And of course, what the flip side is negativity. We talked about how, you know, the the brain 
and I tend, and I agree with this as well, that the brain attaches itself to a negative perception of oneself or uh, historic patterns and common patterns of behavior, otherwise known as the narrative, that your brain is obsessed with an identity that it has concocted for you. And if you pay attention to that negative narrative, you cannot move forward and you have to continue to ignore what that narrative is, what your brain is telling you. It thinks that you are are only capable of doing and those things are negative and those are just thoughts your brain makes you afraid of stepping out of that circle of who you are i struggle with this you know i really appreciate that jesse has that positive energy because it's so important and i so appreciate this because i do struggle with that as well of ignoring those voices in your head ignoring that shitty saboteur in your head that tells you that you can't do something you just need to ignore that move forward and express your own positivity and ignore those voices in your head that say you can't do it and i was so glad that jesse was here that we were able to to delve into that quite a bit i really got a lot out of that as well and if uh if you guys are also identifying with that and or struggle with that i'd love to hear from you you can email us at info at roadcasepod.com would love to would love to start a chat about something like that that is just absolutely so important not only for my own life but for so many of the artists that i talk to and i'm so glad that you were all here for that to learn more about jesse harris and his new album silver balloon which i really love and to learn more about jesse as a human and the way that he moves through the world in a positive fashion so thanks to you all for being here and i want to send a special shout out to jesse harris and a thank you to him for being here on this episode of road case Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. <laughs> <laughs>